everybody. I'm Christy. I'm Michael. And this is Terror and Tacos. Mm. And like we said last week, we're back. We're back. We're here to stay. We're hey, one... did you get your, your, your soda? Okay. Open it. Open it. Ah, we're one day late, good. but that was for, you yeah, know. Was... For, we've got reasons. Hey, okay. don't judge us. We, we filmed all day Saturday. We were tired. Right. <laughs> Um, but we're back, and um, we are talking. We promised we were going to do this. We've been promising to do this <laughs> for like forever and months. ever and ever. And finally, we said we got to do it. We got to talk about the, the pet, pet cemetery. cemetery. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. Also, Mike is drinking Coke Zero. It's crazy. I just um, we're going to see how it goes. We're going to see. I'm, he's going to hate it. I'm but just trying to mix it up a little. I know he's trying to mix um, it up. And we should say the Pet Cemetery remake. I'm sure we'll talk a little about. The oh, original. sure. But that does mean there are some plot changes, so spoilers. Yeah, there's going to be spoilers. Um, but before we talk about Pet Cemetery, let's talk about the tacos we just had. Yeah, they um, were homemade. You made tacos. I they did, were delicious. I did make tacos, and I have to explain that the reason I made tacos is because um, I've been jonesing for um, papas con huevo, which is like potato and eggs, mm -hmm. and it's like a classic staple. Breakfast, right? Right. Uh, taco on flour tortillas, and it's you know you would think that it's not difficult, right? To fuck up, but apparently it is, apparently right? Apparently it is very easy to fuck up potato and eggs, and you know I appreciate the craft services on the film and all that stuff, but you know sometimes I, I just gotta like call out Taco Cabana on this man. It's like the you had, you've said this before. I don't know why we've talked about it before, but it's like the one thing they it's like they it's can't the get right. It's the one thing they can't get right. And we love Taco Cabana. I love Taco Cabana, yeah. but like you know you get a, a potato and egg taco from there, and they should know better. And it's just like a plain scrambled egg uh -huh. with some half raw potato thrown on it on a flour tortilla that is not round. And I was like super, super, super pissed off the other day because I opened my potato and egg taco and the tortilla looked like Oklahoma. Like it was insane. I was like, what? And I put it back. I was like, I don't want this damn taco. So, you know, every, and everybody, I mean, everybody grew up eating papas con huevo at some point in their life and everybody has their way of making it, but you don't just scramble an egg and then throw some nasty potato on it. Like there's a way to do it. And if it's done right, it can be sublime yeah and it eat like these were delicious thank you by the way for making me eat lunch um it it eats like a meal like it doesn't feel like i don't know no does that make sense yeah it totally does and uh, like i'm i had one and i'm like i am full <laughs> yeah and it's you know the secret is in like how you fry the potatoes and at what point do you put the potatoes in the eggs as they're cooking mm -hmm. how do you season your eggs do you add salsa as you're cooking or you do you let everybody add their own salsa. salsa and what i do is i season it a little bit but i don't add tomatoes onions cilantro i don't add any of that some people do I let people decide put what they want. Pico or salsa on yeah. their potato and egg if they want it. But you know, put some salt and pepper on that bitch. Do I something. mean, do something. <laughs> put up some garlic in your potatoes or something. Because otherwise it's just like bland and disgusting. Mm -hmm. And that is never what Tex Mex food should, should be. Ever, ever, ever be. And this is a staple. Yeah. You should get it right. And it's, it's a classic. And it's usually around here at least, it seems like a breakfast taco, but I feel like it can be an anytime taco. Yeah, I mean, growing up, um, there's a joke, you know, that, that people make, you know, with poor food. Mm -hmm. um, 
And that papas con huevo is like definitely one of those poor foods, like when you don't have money. You just that you, you can, can always fry up a potato and put some egg in it and put in a tortilla. And so you say, I'm, I'm broke, so I'm having papas con huevo. <laughs> and then for lunch, I'm having huevos con, con papa. papa. <laughs> and then for dinner, I'm having papas a huevo, which means like in Spanish, when you say a huevo, it means like too bad, you got to do it. You know, so it's like for dinner, I'm having it because too bad, I got to yeah, do yeah, it. I have no choice. Absolutely. So it's perfect. one of those poor foods that doesn't have to taste bad. No, it's delicious. It, it, you and know, it doesn't have to cost anything. anything and if really. you have cheese, you can put cheese on yeah. it. Or you can put any kind of salsa. Sometimes you add bacon or chorizo or whatever, and it can be like a big meal. I was going to put bacon in it, but I didn't I didn't have time to go get bacon, so. But it was good. Yeah, it was great. Simple, classic, delicious. Um, oh, and I have to say that the tortillas were from Central Market, and they were butter flour dude, tortillas. Dude. If you can get you, yeah. get you some butter flour tortillas, tortillas from Central Market or H-E-B, they're the boss. The, yeah, it's funny. Like one of my one of Aspen's favorite snacks is literally just putting butter on a tortilla. Oh, on a plate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know I keep saying this, but you gotta put some. You gotta get you a flour tortilla, put some butter on it, and some apple butter. It is like going to heaven. That's awesome. If you believe in that sort of thing. <laughs> um. Um, so I did. Uh, before we get to the movie, I did want to ask you, like. About H-E-B a little bit, because you lived in Austin. I did, yeah. And I lived in South Texas, so H-E-B is the the grocery store that is Central South Texas, right? Yeah. We know it as Central Market in Dallas, but yes. I think there's an H-E-B somewhere like in Waxahachie or something like that. Do you, I think H-E-B is superior to all the grocery I, stores. We talk about missing H-E-B all the time. Do you think it's nostalgia on our part, or do you really think it's superior? I don't know. I mean, because I, I came to H, I came to HEB. We, we didn't really know about, I didn't know about HEB until I moved to Austin, which uh -huh. is when I was in my 20s. So it's right. not like I grew up with it. Uh -huh. I just thought it was an awesome grocery store. It's so great. That was not super expensive. Right. That had everything. everything. And had some stuff you would not see at Anywhere like else. Kroger or whatever. Right. Um, so I really love, I just, I don't, so I don't, I mean, I didn't grow up with it. So I think it might just be like, I just thought it, it was better. It is superior. Yeah. It is superior. H-E-B. I wish we had an H-E-B. And also here. our friend Kristen is the voice of H-E-B. Oh, that's right. So, Kristen McCollum is the voice makes of it even better. That makes it great. Um, so yeah, so let's talk about. Speaking pet, of classics yeah. that seem to be easy to fuck up. Right. Let's talk about Pet Cemetery. Nice segue. <laughs> that you. was a good segue. Thank you. So. Um, let me ask you a question, Michael. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you another question. I'm full of questions today. Uh -huh. So if, say, like, if you had, like, if you went to bed one night, uh -huh. right, and then you had a crazy dream that you were walking out in the forest. Yeah. Um, and then you woke up in the morning and you took the blanket off your, <laughs> your, your bed uh -huh. and your feet were muddy and dirty. Like, is that something that you would shamefully hide from your wife or, or would you say honey why do i have fucking mud on yeah. my feet yeah we might be living in some sort of transition between the supernatural and natural world right? i think i would like, bring that up wouldn't you tell your spouse like 
I know this is going to sound crazy, but but I woke up this morning and my feet were dirty and I don't understand. Can you help me? Yeah. I mean, that's what as a spouse is for. Especially if I were, say, a physician. Right. I would probably want to figure out, like, okay, am I sleepwalking? Am I sleepwalking? What is going on? What's going on? Like, say, I had this crazy dream. Did you see? Did I get did up? Did I get up? I'm, I'm a little scared, you know? I really feel like every time I watch a movie with John I'm, and something like that happens where spouses or friends don't talk, talk to, each other. to each other for fear that the other one might think that they're bonkers, right. then I'm thinking, maybe you shouldn't be married to that person. Yeah, right? Because you literally <laughs> have mud on your feet, you man. You literally have mud on you your feet, You have proof do. that you are outside. Right, um, right. Yeah, it's funny. Like, a lot of Pet cemetery, and I guess this is true about the original it seems to everything happens because nobody's willing to talk. Because no one's willing to talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I have to say that the book is one of my favorites. It's great. Of the Stephen Kings. And just if you've never read Pet Cemetery or you don't know what it's about, it really is, I mean, thematically, it's about how you deal with death, uh-huh. right? But also, like, every parent's worst nightmare. Right. You know? If you lose a child. If you lose a child. And what happens And so I think it becomes, yeah, at least in the book, and it's been a long time since I read it, it's about death, grief, and and guilt, I think. Yeah. Um, Which is sort of covered with Zelda and Rachel and And, then... and the the story of the young man that comes back, comes from, back from, from the war, which, which I they totally miss, and it's so dude. How good. did they cut that? How did you cut that story? It's so good. I, I, I don't know. This, That's, it's, uh, there's several. So there's several storylines happening in the movie. Briefly, do you want to just yeah, briefly? just if for yeah. people who don't so know, so this young couple, uh, Rachel and Louis Creed. Um, he's a doctor. She's, you know, a, a house. She stays at home and takes care of her two kids, Ellie and Gage. Gage is is very little, Gage right? Gage is like three or three four. Three or four. And Ellie is about to be... She turns nine. She turns nine yeah. in the movie. Uh, in the in this movie. Um, and they're moving... You just... They're moving out to the country. Yeah. And they're moving to Derry, Maine, which is where a lot of... Horrible things horrible happen. Horrible things happen. <laughs> uh, Stephen King's universe is in Maine. And um, they move to this farmhouse. They buy this farmhouse, and it's out in the country, and it's idyllic and bucolic and beautiful. The only thing about it is that they didn't know is that that stretch of road in front of their farmhouse, uh, big 18-wheelers. Yeah. It's a place where 18-wheelers, like, speed Speed through. through. Yeah. And we learned this from the very beginning. Um, And if you have any sense about you, you know something horrible with a truck is going to happen. Right. they moved to the country because he wanted to get away from the big city. They were living yeah. in Boston. He was never home. He was never home. He was in. I think he was in emergency. You, that's, that seems what's implied. That yeah. he just was. He was always working. Working at the hospital. He was always yeah. working at the hospital, and he wanted to spend time with the kids. And so he takes this job as the doctor at the university mm-hmm. there in Derry. Uh, and he's expecting, oh, I'm working at the Quack Shack at the college. Yeah. So, yeah, And even, like, like, his first thing is, aspirin. like, somebody's got a bloody nose. Right. And he's like, ooh. ooh that's <laughs> an emergency. Yeah. Um, the mother, talk a little bit about the mother's issues. So, Rachel, the 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 mother, Rachel Creed, um, is, she, she grew up with uh, a sister named Zelda, who in the book and in the movie has spinal meningitis. The way it is presented in no way reflects spinal meningitis. No, but... <laughs> but the thing that I think is effective in the book 
and in the original movie, movie. and not this one, is that you get the idea that this is Rachel remembers Zelda as a monster. Because she was a little Because she was a little kid, and she was scared of her older sister, who was sick, and didn't talk normal, and couldn't breathe. And her parents didn't talk to her about it. And parents didn't talk to her about it. So she remembers Zelda as a monster. And one night, her parents, who seem like, I don't know, the worst parents in the world? I guess. Or, yeah. That's what I think. That, I mean, left her alone with, with, her sister. with her sister. And she, in in all versions, different. there's like differing versions in, from the book to the first movie to this movie. But in all versions, something happens that night <sighs> Because of Rachel not wanting to deal with her sister. Right. And Zelda dies. Right. And so Rachel has carried this guilt for decades. Yeah. And let's say that she was like eight years old when yes. it happened. And, and Lewis has a line in, in all three iterations. It's like, they never should have left you alone. Right. And I feel like he's right. I feel like he's right. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. So it's like, it's not so much... Um, her, her sister's not a monster. That's not what it is. No. It's a, a, a person's memory of something in childhood. And that they were right? terrified that of. That they were terrified of. And, which then this deals back with what actually happens in the story, um, that her parents didn't talk to her about. About it, right. It was not explained to her, to her. what her sister was going through. It, no one told her this is a disease, this is a sickness. It's, she's not a she's monster. Not a she's monster. very sick. Yeah. It's very sad. It's very sad. <laughs> um, but and, she just felt she was a monster. And she's Rachel has sort of carried that. I mean, not to start a whole thing, but it's it's funny. It reminds me of when we had Ian here to talk about Hereditary and why right. we didn't like Hereditary and why he did. Right. And he was like, "Well, that is like classic sort of wasp parenting." Wow. Like, because that's, that's right. what he talks about hereditary, right? Yeah. Nobody talks about anything. Nobody you talks just don't about talk anything. about it. You don't talk about it. Because it's embarrassing or whatever. Oh, so man. she now has carried this to like the little girl Ellie who's about to be 9. Right. They have a cat named Church. Church and she's interested. She has cuz she's a smart kid has come to understand that pets do not live as long as people. people. Yeah. And so she asks her dad, who is a doctor, and her father is, like, very clinical about it. Like, humans have slower metabolism, basically talking about, like, why lifespans are what they are. Right, right. And she comes in very quickly with, like, but... But they go to heaven. They go to heaven, and they're watching down on you. And and you can tell, like, Lewis, the, the husband, is like... Where the fuck did like, this come where from? Where are you getting this from? They don't even go like, to church. Like, we're not religious. Yeah, but she so, has such an issue with talking about, about death. death in any real way. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, like, the first major plot point is Church gets killed. Killed. He gets run he over. He gets run over. And they, you know, in the meantime, they meet... Oh, yeah, their, sorry. Their across-the-road neighbor... Judd. Uh, Judd. Uh, in the original, played by the amazing Fred Wynn. Yeah. Oh, um, Edwin. Fred. Fred. Fred Wynn. And in this one, played by John Lithgow. Also amazing. I, I thought also... By, I was like, I thought it was... By far the best part of this movie. Inspired casting. Yeah. Um, I, I actually was like, I am annoyed at how much he has wasted in this right. film because he's so fucking good. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. And so he, he, Judd has lived there. He's a widower and he's lived there for a long time. And His he, whole life. His whole life. He's, he explains, you know, the, the, the road and how people are and all that stuff. 
And one of the things um, that we know about about him, about Judd, is that his wife died. Norma mm-hmm. died. Um, but also, so this accident happens, and, and Church, the cat, gets run over. Right. Um, and Judd goes to Lewis and says, hey... You need to see this, and and Lewis is like, oh shit, Ellie can't see this. She's like about to go trick or treating. Yeah. It's Halloween. Um, um, there is, I guess we kind of jump. There is a pet cemetery right on, on their, their property. property. Spelled and, spelled wrong. Right. Like the and kids so I, wrote this it. is the other thing that I found like this was an interesting part of this version that I thought, oh, I want to watch that. Yeah. Movie. Why on earth like, why did they not earth? explore this? Exactly. So they move into their new home, and Ellie, being a curious kid. And they have a fucking forest in their yeah, backyard. Yeah, and it's theirs. It's they own theirs. it. She's like, I'm going to go out and explore the forest. And so she goes and explores the forest. And she sees these children. Or, well, she's with her mom at the time. But she sees these children uh, wearing creepy animal masks. Yeah. Which is a thing I love From like, just as a And tra- like the olden days. Yeah, like olden days. Masks. Yeah. yeah. And beating a little drum. And they're... They have a wheelbarrow, and clearly there's a dog or something yeah, under they're going, covered. They're going to go bury the, the dog in the pet And cemetery. they have made it into a sort of funeral rite. Yeah, a little ritual. And Which is creepy and cool. And creepy and cool. And then the little beat of the drum, and Ellie asks her mom, what are they doing? And the mom is like, it's a procession, but because it's about depth, the mom doesn't want to talk about it. Right. So Ellie finds a way to escape, and she goes and she tries to follow them. Um... And she comes across this little pet cemetery. Right. And it's really cute, actually. It's a nice little pet cemetery, and it's got all these little grave markers. And then on one side of the pet cemetery, there's this, like, crazy-ass barrier. Uh-huh. It's a huge barrier. It's like a huge thicket, right? Yeah. And she's very, like, very clear, like, don't, don't, don't go, go here. here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and she tries to cross it, and she falls because Judd is suddenly there and says, hey, yeah. get off of there. Yeah. Uh, and so they meet Judd and whatever. And actually she, and that's how they become friends. friends. Right. And so then when Church dies, Judd, being a sweet older, right. old man, I mean, he's an old man, right? Yeah, he's an old man. It's like, you know, he doesn't want Ellie, he doesn't want her to be sad, mm-hmm. you know? And so Lewis and him go to bury it in the pet cemetery. And then Judd is like, basically like, there, there is another way. There is another way. And he takes him over the barrier. Which, fuck, man, we should not have done that. We should not have done that. When somebody tells you the ground is sour, just don't go. Just, just don't, just don't, don't go. go. Don't just go. Come on, man, don't That's go. Like, what, are you, what are you doing? But he takes him over there, and Lewis is like, what the fuck is this? And he goes, don't worry about it. Just, just do this shit. Just do this shit. Boom. Boom. And so then the next day, they haven't told Ellie. They're about to break the news to Ellie. And they're actually going to lie. And they're going to lie. They're going to say Church ran away. Yeah, they they would rather say that. And they're like, well, Church ran away. And Ellie's like, no, no he didn't. didn't. He's, He's right, right over there. there. He's right <laughs> over there. And so they go and they open the closet. And it's Church. Yeah. Well, kind of. Yes. Uh, and it's an angry version. It's a very angry very version angry, of the kitty. Very angry, different matted fur version of the kitty. I actually think he looks kind of badass. Oh, yeah, man. Um, but, um, yeah, he's not himself. No. And so then Lewis goes to Judd and says, what the, what fuck? the fuck? What the fuck is this? And that's and then, when we get the explanation. And we get the, like, sort of the history of this place. Mm-hmm. And, it, I mean, it, look, you bury something in this place. Sour ground. In sour ground. It comes back. 
but it's not itself. Right. And the, in the book, I don't know if they mentioned it in the movie, but in the book, they're like, the longer you wait uh-huh. to, to bury the dead thing in in the burial ground, like the more chance of it coming back not, not yeah. as itself. And I don't think they bring that. That is in the book. Right. And because it's like church, they wait a long, right. a long time. Right. They wait like a whole day or yeah. something like that. Um, anyway, so the cat comes back and the cat's not nice. No. And she doesn't, He, he the cat scratches her and all this. Uh, and it, I mean, again, we, you know where this is going. Right. Whether you've seen the original or read the book, you know where this is going. Right. Um, and actually, if you've seen the original you or read the book, you kind of know where it's going. Right. And they throw a twist. Right. Twists um, are in. But, uh, so this leads to the biggest... What I would say is the biggest departure mm-hmm. in this version. Yeah. In the book and in the original movie, Gage, the little boy, wanders into the road and gets hit by a truck. Right. And so then Gage is the one that Lewis buries and comes back. Yeah, he cannot. He's the one who's been talking about death is natural, death, death is, is this, death is that. He's a doctor. He's a doctor. You know, and it's that old trope of like, your rational doctor mind can't right. comprehend, you know. Right. I like your, your kind of like little, like, what was that? Like, northeastern kind but of mid-Atlantic, yeah. old-fashioned high-pants, fast-talking um, uh, accent. And so this one, the, the big departure is it's set up like, oh, Gage is walking towards the road. Right. But Lewis grabs him. Just in time. And Ellie has been in the road because Church has come back. Lewis has gotten rid of Church. Mm -hmm. And then Church has returned. Right. The truck veers. Veers to Miss Gage. And then fucking falls apart, essentially, and kills Ellie. Ellie. And I I will say this. At first, I I am willing. I was completely willing. Like, okay, they they didn't kill Gage. That's Uh, odd. Um, by, I wonder why. By the end, it felt like sacrificing the story and horror so they could be like, gotcha, Gen Xers. Right. Or baby boomers or whoever. Right. Gotcha, old people who have read this book and right. watched the movie. Right. You and thought you knew. Yeah, I think they, they, they just didn't think it was enough. I felt like they didn't think it was enough for this, for the, the, the horror to be that this baby comes back as something different, right? Right. They, they didn't think that was scary enough. They needed to add a child. They needed it to be a child who could speak. Right. So that they could give the child stupid one-liners. Yes. And like, and so... And you know, it's so unnecessary. It is. And, and I think so less frightening. Yeah. Part of the horror of the, of the book and the mo- on the original movie, which believe me has believe its me, problems. Yeah, it has its problems. I'm not it's, saying it's not the that original. great. Yeah. it's not perfect. It's not The Shining. No. Oh, we'll well, talk that's about a that whole level. other. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, the, the what's great about the original is that they have this precious, precious baby boy. Yeah. And he's terrifying. Ter- and in and, and he can't speak. He can barely, and it's not like he can't speak because he can't speak yet. I mean, right. he can form. He's little, tiny he can little. Say mom, he can mom say and daddy, dad. Not fair. Right. I want to, and even when he says full sentences like "I want to now," I want to play with you. He can't say them right. Like, right. He can't quite make the PL sound yet. Like right. just like little kid stuff. Right. And so you have the juxtaposition of this like 
truly, purely innocent, tiny little person doing horrible things. Mm-hmm. And and that is not to say that a nine-year-old girl isn't innocent. That's not what I'm suggesting. No, no. But she's clearly a really smart kid. Articulate. Articulate. Has already questioned right. death and, right. like, existence. Right. Understands loneliness. Right. Like, has, in her own nine little, nine-year-old little way, <laughs> has had, like, a existential crisis already. Right. And so when she comes back and they give her these shitty fucking one-liners like your mu- your your sister's burning in hell. Yeah. I'm like that's stupid. That's super dumb. <laughs> like why like, would she say that? Yeah, and there whereas this little boy that I mean that's the horror of it. Like you're looking like he can't possibly know, understand that what he's doing. What he's doing. Like, right. And it's and the the horror of it is also that in my opinion, anyway, as a parent, that like if you lose, it's your worst nightmare yes. to, to lose your child. But would you would you make your child for the sake of you not feeling pain? Right. Would you make your child live an unnatural life, life and have them be an abomination? Yeah, you know, for the sake, the sake of, of you, of you feeling, feeling better, better and. Watch your child do horrible, horrible if it were possible, if it were possible, and you knew that you could have your child back, but they wouldn't come back as them. Right. That they would have a horrible life. Right. And this this sort of undercuts all that because she's yeah. so clearly e- evil, whatever evil. the fuck that means, that but she's the, clearly that, evil. Yeah, and that's the other thing is like in the original and in the book... They just talk about the ground being sour. Mm -hmm. They talk about maybe once upon a time. Maybe once upon a time it was a good thing. But now the ground is sour. Yeah. And so whatever comes back is Is, bad. Is 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 sour. But they don't give you an explanation. They don't say it's a demon. They don't say it's evil. They don't say... they. In this one, they talk about the Wendigo. Sure, the Native American myth. But I, I don't even think it has anything to do with that. You know, it, and and that's also part of what's horrifying is that you don't know, you don't know. what it is. And I also think eliminating, there's a couple things. So eliminating the story about the boy who comes back, uh-huh. again, demonstrates like this kid was not, he just wasn't right. He wasn't right. And so yeah, he shouldn't, I mean. The, oh, it's such a great story. The, it's, you know, it's from World War II. He goes off. Everybody loved him. He was like a hero, hero of, the of the town. They send him off. He dies during the war. They bring his body back. The mom can't take it. Yeah. So they bury him in the in the other cemetery. And when he comes back, his eyes are empty. Yeah. Like in the way King describes it in the book is horrifying. Right. Horrifying. And, and not hell-bent on vengeance or or not going to come back and... Kill his mom. Kill his, with, after saying some sly, like, right. your sister was your fault. Like, fuck off. Fuck no, off. No, it, it's not anything like that. It's not like that person wants revenge. It's just they're not right. They're not right. They're soulless. And that's way scarier. And so I also think this is a critical misstep. We were texting yesterday, and I was like, it is a fine line between a child being scary and you kind of laughing like, oh, look at that little kid saying that scary thing. Right. And this is nothing against the the girl. She no. did a great job. And she's playing... An, and I think also part of it, she's playing a nine-year-old. I think in real life she was 11. Right. Again, a kid and innocent and all that. But like an 11-year-old... It's different than a nine-year-old. It's different than a nine-year-old, which is way different than a three or four-year-old. Right. Like you have, again... I, I just don't think it's not, all that... 
Yeah, it's yeah. not scary. Plus, the whole thing about Rachel and and all of this plays into each other. The young, the daughter doesn't know anything about Zelda. The daughter doesn't know anything about Zelda, and when she comes back, she starts talking about heaven and hell to her mother. Right. And she starts, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's Zelda becomes this thing in the mother's in Rachel's life that's kind of like. A real thing? Not, I think. Yeah. Like, I, I was sitting there going like, so wait a minute. Is the house also haunted? Right. Like, is Zelda in the house? Like, and, I don't understand what's going and on. And why is this, what is what is this purse, this thing coming back to do? Right. To lecture you? Yeah. Like, she's come like, on. you let me, let me die. die. And she's talking like Christian Bale in Batman. Yes, because, again. And that really bothered again, me. Again, because it's a fine line between what right. makes a kid scared. And, and I right. even... There are older, like, I think Reagan and The Exorcist, but that's a very different thing. Yeah, uh-huh. Generally speaking, you keep kids, if they say simple, weird shit. Or nothing, or at, nothing all. at all. Right. And, and that, then it's like, and in The Exorcist, it wasn't even her voice. It right. Was, it's so, Mercedes it's, And it's yeah. so clear that this isn't right. Reagan. Right. And that's about, I don't even think that's about her. Like, no. anyway. But the little girls in The Shining, who are probably 10 or something, I don't fucking know. Really simple, right? Come play with us. Also, the score, everything. Yeah. Um, also, Danny, the little boy, didn't know he was making a horror movie. Right. Right. And he's a little boy riding around on a fucking, you know... Right. His little, yeah, big wheels thing. It's like she's... <laughs> it's so stupid to say, like, she's too old. Um, but she... It, it she undercuts is. the horror it and undercut, it undercuts yeah. the story. It also... I, I, I know she was excited to see her cat. And again, I know nine as a kid. I did not believe that that girl, having met her and seeing how intelligent she was, right. is just chilling in the middle of the road. I don't I don't believe right. that for a second. Right. And again, the horror of Gage is you have stopped paying attention to your little boy just long enough Right. For him to wander out into the road. A kid who's of the age that doesn't Has know. no idea. Has right. no conceptualization of life and death. Has no idea. He is absolutely, continually your responsibility. Right. Whereas you can let Ellie go off. You're not going to ship her off on it. Whatever, but... Her being yeah. alone is not weird. Right. She hangs out by herself yeah. all the time. All the time in the movie. And yeah. she, knows, she knows. She's of an age that she knows she's not supposed to go out into the road. Yes. On she her knows own. it instantly. Yeah. When she gets there. Right. Yeah. So that's. Yeah. It's, so I, I had said, this is not totally veering off. I had come up with what I thought were like three critical mistakes. Uh-huh. And killing Ellie instead of Gage was my major one. Yeah, I agree. The other one, which kind of touches a little bit on what we've already brought up. In the original movie, Zelda is cast. At, it's an adult male. It is a yeah. grown ass. It is terrifying. It is a grown ass human man. Yeah. Um, and I am not saying Zelda needs to be a grown ass man, but I believe casting Zelda with a teenager or a kid, however old that kid was, absolutely undercuts any horror. Right, I agree, and it's, I'll tell you because when you when you I didn't even know Zelda in the original was a dude. Yeah, 
It doesn't look like a theater dude. actor. Yeah, it looks like a monster. Yes, it you know? looks like a monster. It, lo- it looks like a monster. Zelda mm-hmm. looks like a monster because something's not, not right. right. And I think, and that's the thing that we keep coming back. Yeah, to. and you have it. You, I think they cast as a dude because of some of the things he could do physically. Because uh-huh. Zelda's movement is so bizarre. Uh-huh. Also. He's inherently very tall. Right. And gangly. He's a grown-ass man. Right. Um, And I'm not saying you have to use a man. You could use a grown-ass woman. it's effective because in her memory, Zelda is this giant giant. thing. Yeah. And and that, again, to me, the, the power of Zelda, and I admit freely, like... When I saw Pet Cemetery, this is one of the movies, it came out in 86 or something. Uh, so I was like 11 or 12. And it's one of the movies I will not never forget, like buying a ticket to something else and sneaking in to see Pet right, Cemetery because right. it was rated R. And like Zelda to this day is like one of the things that really haunted me yeah. as a kid, like really scared me. Um, but I do think objectively because Aspen was like she didn't watch it with me but she was like dude are you just being like H-E-B are you just being nostalgic for the thing you saw when you were 13 Mm -hmm. and I was like probably part of it but objectively casting a grown man and making Zelda a monster plays with this idea of like in our childhood memories what is real to us is not probably what is actually real. Right. And that to me is way more effective and it's way more frightening. Right. And this way, I just felt bad. Right. I just felt bad for Zelda. Right. I was like, this sucks. Like, give this little girl some fucking food. Yeah. And I don't think that's the desired <laughs> no, effect. No, the de- desired effect is exactly what you just said because that's the desired effect in the book. Right. In the book, it's that we're not that we're not talking about these things. We're not that we that there are things that we choose to ignore and hope that they go away. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's not Zelda's fault. No, it's not. And so in Rachel's mind, her memory is not remotely of Zelda. It's it's the Zelda she's yeah. it's the fucking boogeyman. Right, right. And so again casting it and this is nothing against the actress I mean at all I, I right it's not I'm not it's saying just not that as it's just not as effective well and also it's like I in the original Zelda was was uh, the character in the story was relegated very much to them being in the bedroom oh, of her memory yes you know so she is we clearly know that she is remembering this thing and yeah. it's fucking with her brain right and that's what makes her freak out right in this movie there's confusion as to I really was maybe I'm stupid but I was like so is Zelda coming back no it it, it is confusing it doesn't she hears Zelda in the walls yeah it's like so like are we supposed to think Zelda is back to I don't know right yeah because that's not what it is in the book no and and also we got very little of Zelda and when we did like I said she's not scary Mm -mm. Um, it's a sad Little girl, it's, it's sad. sad. It's a sad it's thing. Sad. It's a sad thing that happens to her. And so to lose the sort of grotesque monster image of the first one, and I'll be honest, man, going again, saying the original has problems, and it does, to me, Zelda has always been the most effective element of the original movie. Yeah. Um, that and the family was fucking likable. Oh man! And like and that, they, that was one thing that I brought up last night. I, I mean, no shade against this guy who played Louis. Jason Creed, Clark. But like, I just don't find him sympathetic I, in that way at, at all. all. Can I also throw this out? And this is again nothing against him. I've seen him in some stuff where I've really liked him. 
There's also a moment in, I rewatched Hill House, and I, you know, I absolutely love that, and we've talked about it, but there are moments now, I guess, once I've seen something or know the guy, and know that he's not American, mm-hmm. that there are moments, like, if you fuck up your accent, that's fine. I mean, God right. knows we've done it, you know? Sure. But there are times where it seems like you, as an actor, it's like, oh, he seems very focused on sounding American. Right. That we're losing... Because Jason Clarke's Australian, and right. the guy who plays Steve in Hill House is Dutch. Right. And having watched it again, and I still fucking love it, it's incredible, and I wept again. There are moments where it's like, oh, he seems... And I know what that moment is, where you're just, I just have to say this fucking word, right? It's not right. been, it's been, or right. whatever. Right, I don't know if that's a thing, or if Jason Clarke just is a different kind of actor, and kind of a tough guy, and so you don't... Yeah, and you know, it's like, and I'm not, you know, I'm always the one that's going like, give older actors a chance and all that sure. stuff. But like, also in the in the original and in the book, they're they're youngish. They're they younger. are. They're like a really young couple, like on the verge of and greatness. And I think also one of the interesting things about them being young in the book and in the original. I'm not saying these people are old, but you know, no, they're middle aged. Yeah, is the idea that he was making a ton of money and could have continued making a ton of money mm-hmm. and has they have chosen as a family that him being home more is more important. important. Yeah. And so they have essentially at a very young age quote settled down. Right. Instead of we're going to go balls to the wall right. until we're 45. Right. And made the choice to say family is, is more, more important. important. Which again becomes thematically very important. And so yeah. it is a little odd that they are, that they seem, at least him, he seems middle-aged. Yeah. Uh, and I assume is like probably my age. Or no, I think he's older, older than you. I think he's older than you. I it's think a, he's like in his 50s. So like 40s. that's, and if, even if he's not, that's how it read. Yeah. And so it seemed more of like a guy who had had it all and was like, all right. All right. I'll, we're having problems. I, we're going to move to Yeah, I need country. to be home to fuck my wife more right, or whatever. Exactly. That's like kind of how it came <laughs> off. It did, right? actually. It did. Like, that's how it read. Right. Maybe I'm cynical no, and horrible. No, it, it, it did. I was like, I don't, I don't understand, like... Oh, so I've I've done it all. We're gonna settle down and buy. Yeah, this whereas like when they're young, it's like no. This is important. This is to important. Us. More important this, yeah. than my whatever my career was gonna be. Right. Um, another problem I had my 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 third like critical mistake. I thought the way they limited the character of Pascal was. Oh my god. Ab- like was tragic. Right. Right. Uh, do you want to talk? Kind of, no, it was kind of a throwaway. It was a throwaway. So, and he is such a yeah. huge fucking part of right. the book and the first yeah. movie. So Victor Pascal in in the story is um, a student and you don't you you don't really meet him when he's alive. I mean it's like the Lewis is at work one day, he's at the emergency room at the university and you know, he's thinks everything's going great because like I said, he's dispensing aspirin and treating nosebleeds and that's great. Yeah. And then one day this kid gets brought into the emergency room and he was hit by a car on his bicycle. Yes. And he's really young. He's yeah. like a young student and his name is Victor Pascal. Uh-huh. And and he it's it's horrifying yes. what happens to this kid. And clearly the nurses in this little quack shack 
they're, they're not they used cannot to, handle they it. cannot handle it so he has to it's up to him to try and bring him um to revive him right but he loses him yeah he loses because there's no way he wasn't there, I there's mean, no, like his head is coming apart like it, it's bad it's horrifying um and he starts having he's so affected by it because mm-hmm. he thought he was going to get away from that sort of thing right he thought he was leaving that sort of thing apparently he saw a lot of it in Boston um, which makes sense yeah it makes sense. total sense <laughs> um, and it affects him it affects him on a very different level that he, he didn't know right. what was going to especially because he's so young and that he couldn't he and that couldn't, he couldn't help, help the kid and he's this kind of like rock star doctor yeah um, he couldn't help him. No. And so he starts having dreams about the yeah. kid. And the kid starts giving him um, advice advice about don't go to the yeah. cemetery. Don't, you know, the barrier's not meant to be crossed. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily start out that way. No. He just starts seeing, seeing him. him, you know. And it makes sense because right. I'm, I'm sure that if something horrible like that, if I had to deal with something horrible like that, you would you would dream about sure. that shit. You would see that kid in everything that you had to do, and your failure, yeah, to save him. And so, one of also one of I think the really interesting thing in the book and in the first movie is, again, to go back to the whole you have this very rational doctor trope, mm-hmm. and he's so he's seeing him, and like you said, of course you would see him. He's kind of haunted by it, right? But then. Victor straight up becomes sort of a supernatural figure, which kind of crosses his barrier, and he starts to give him advice. Right. And in the book and in the movie, the first movie, he's sort of this charming... He's scary at uh-huh. first, but he's also kind of endearing, and he right. becomes a huge character. And he and, the, and uh, I'm sorry. No, no, go, 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 go. No, think. it's because like you know, it's the, the again the whole thing of being afraid of death. Right. It's like he sees him at first, and he's afraid of him because right. why am I seeing this dead kid? Kid right? that I couldn't save. That I couldn't save. But then when he gives that kid the ghost yeah. or whatever room to exist. He turns out to be a, a benevolent. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm trying to help. He you. says, "You tried to help me. I'm right. going to try to help you." And Victor in the in the first movie and in the book again is creepy looking and stuff, but ends up being sort of charming and kind of like Aspen even said the way she always saw Victor was like Virgil in Dante's Inferno. Like, yeah. I'm going to show you this shit. Yeah. So you don't have to fucking deal with right. it. I'm going to show it to you. Right. And it ends up also, I think, making Lewis more endearing. Right. And in this, Pascal gets fucking thrown Nothing. away, man. Gets thrown away. The, what, I love about, what I love about the original and what I love about the book is that Pascal is a, is a way for Lewis to deal with with death. Yes. Right? It's another way that at first it's something scary. And then he can... And and then when he opens himself to the idea of, okay, this this is here. Right. It becomes a thing to learn from. To learn from. And it's also sort of the letting, yeah, the classic kind of like letting the rational go and accepting that maybe something, maybe irrational things right. exist. Right. And he's such a great, I mean... Such a great character and such a, like, Stephen King character. Mm-hmm. The, like, terrifying dead kid who becomes, like, the cool, you know, yeah, guy. He, <laughs> like, he reminds me of a less funny 
um, what's his uh, Griffin Dune in um, in American Werewolf? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Where, where, in, where in American Werewolf, he's straight up a comedic comedic character. character. He looks disgusting. Right. But he's, he's just for yeah. Right. Pascal kind of goes back, but Pascal also is the one who is like. Do not do this. Don't do Don't it. do this. It's better to let them yeah. go. Sometimes, like, it comes back. The, some, the ground is sour. Sometimes dead is better. Right. Um, and so I thought, yeah, between killing Ellie, Ellie instead of Gage, the, the casting of Zelda, and, like, what they did to Pascal... I, I don't I don't know what this movie no, is it about. Just, to me, it seemed like, let's take all of the elements that are in Pet Cemetery and do something different and cool with cool. them, but... But, but but with no with no connective tissue right. and because like I also don't understand I don't and I think I said this to you last night I was like so we don't really get to see a lot of time with Judd and Ellie no uh, and and in the book Judd like the kids endear themselves to Judd yeah. and he becomes like a grandpa or something and in this movie we don't really it's get to so see that so fast so you're like why does he if he knows it's bad and he knows all these stories and he knows it's going to go wrong why does he take the cat right. to the because we haven't had enough time that's I felt the whole time the whole movie like there's no time there's no time This and it's like I looked it up it runs like an hour 45 or an hour. it's not like a super short movie no but I don't know what it was it's I don't think it's efficient storytelling I think it could have been longer too yeah. if they wanted to really tell the story so I'm gonna come back to this like because I think it's funny that if you have a movie where the theme is sometimes dead is better why bother Remaking Pet <laughs> Cemetery, like, and I, I keep, I know we bring this up a lot. Sometimes I, I know, I know you're. Yes, don't go into that road, Gage. Um, I know you're gonna make money, and and if that's the only reason to make or do a remake, fine. I, that, yeah, I that's it's fine. the film industry, yeah. and if if you think it's gonna make money, do it. Ultimately, that's what the industry is about. You can kid yourself and say it's about other things, but it's a it's fucking about business. Money. Yeah. And when you put millions of dollars into something, you want to make more millions back. I get that, but I mean. Why? Why Pet Cemetery? That was right. like. Was there like a clamoring, or was it just that like? Well, it was a hit. Right. We should just revamp all the Stephen Kings. Or it or... has all these like tropes of like scary kid. Yeah, okay, uh, coming back from the dead. Coming back from the dead. Um, I don't know, it, but they, they they just kind of like wasted all the all the things that make it really 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 scary. In yeah, my opinion. I agree, and I you know again as being now. I didn't know what it was about. No, and I know what the original is about. I know what the book is about. Right. And goddamn, you know, it's a Stephen King book, so he goes off on like seven hundred tangents. Right. There's lots of storylines. But there. I still know what it's about. Right. And the book is pretty terrifying. I, and actually, Stephen King says that of all his books, that's the one that scares him the yeah, most. Yeah. And I. And it's because he's a parent. Yes. And when he wrote it, I imagine his kids were, yeah. were relatively young. Yeah. Um, his daughter, they actually lived somewhere where there was, was a road, and his daughter's cat 
was got. run over, and so it got him thinking. Yeah, you know, what um, if this happened or whatever. What would you what do? What would I do? Right. You know, because you do that as a parent. I'm sure you do that as a parent. It's like suddenly you have kids. Like before you have kids, you walk around the world and you're like, oh, whatever. You know, you're. And seriously, I'm not. I, and I'm not trying to be one of those people that's like, oh, you have to have kids to be. That's not what I'm saying. No, at all. but it's a different. But thing. you begin to see the world differently. You have a kid, and the second you have a kid. Everything that's dangerous and terrible becomes obvious to you. Sure. And it's terrifying. And it's funny, like, even when you and I and the crew and uh, when we were out in the woods, mm -hmm. and you were sort of started joking about, like, well, if the apocalypse happened. Right. Um, and it's funny, and this isn't me being dour or super serious, but, like, not having kids... I have always been of like, my survival desire is so, like, if the apocalypse <laughs> comes, my wife and I are going to take a bottle of pills and call it a fucking day. <laughs> and that's not even us being like, there's nihilistic. It's like, I don't fucking care. Like, if that shit happens, I'm out. Right. Give me all the drugs. Because I don't have children. Right. For me, it's a little like, I have to make sure my children are Sure, fine. even though they're grown. Right. Like, of course. It's, it's just um, different. And I think what, we lose that in this. We I, do. We do. What, do you, what did you think about the ending? Dude. I, the ending, I really hated it. Because, oh, my God. Because the ending then takes everything that we said and That's just a great point. cuts. It undercuts. So what, should we say the ending of this? Yeah, I mean, we've already given them. Yeah. I mean, so... The, the, the little Ellie, when she comes back, is this evil thing with one-liners. And she, an occasional mini monologue. Yeah. Occasional, <laughs> like, like, a, like a Bond villain. Yeah. And then she kills her mom. She kills her mom. And she says, it's your fault. You left your sister. Yeah. Whatever. So she stabs her mom, takes her to the pet cemetery. Uh-huh. But if, like, you hate your mom, why are you going to make... I don't understand. I, I didn't yeah. understand that either. So then... He, the Lewis knows that this is going to happen. He he's running through the forest and he has this fight with Ellie. Uh -huh. And right, because Ellie's already killed the mom and uh, wants to bury her in the pet cemetery or whatever. And and Lewis is having this fight with Ellie, and you, he gets to the moment where I have to crush my child's skull. Yeah, with a rock. He he's the one who brought her back, by the way. Yes. Um. And then the, we have the the usual trope of like the monster kid becomes the sweet kid again, and yeah. he's like, "I love you, Daddy. We can live together." Right. And again, that's never been this kid. That's never been this kid. Never, never. ever, ever, ever. She was a lovely kid, but right. not. But that she kid. was not cloying. <laughs> and then, right at he's as he's about to drop the rock on her for on her head, the mom stabs him. Yes, and she's then, come back. Right, she's come back. And then the next thing we see, Lewis has put Gage in the car and told Gage, do, do not, not open, open the, the door, door, which is another mistake. You're just a bad parent. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't care what is happening in the world. <laughs> you don't leave your kid in a car by themselves. Like, you don't. You just don't. No, like, he's, take, he's, he's little. Doesn't he sleep in a crib? Yeah. <laughs> he sleeps in a crib. And I'm like, take your kid with you. Like, what are you doing? Um, that, oh, that bugs the shit out of me. But anyway, so then the, the last thing we see is Gage alone in, in a car in a car uh -huh. and the dead family having come back yeah walking towards the car uh -huh. and then church jumps on the car and so the idea that you get is that they're going to kill Gage and turn him so they're just going to be like a dead family yeah they're just going to be like a dead zombie family i guess which then 
What's the point of What's any of this? What's the point? I mean, it's yeah. like, then I guess they get to be happy together being sure. dead because they're all dead. Right. And the whole point of the book, the whole point of the story is dealing with loss. Yeah. It's letting go of, of, of shame, of guilt, and not being afraid to face a horrible thing that yeah. could happen to you. That might right? never get... That might never get fixed. Right. And that that in the event that it does happen to you, you got to let it go. Yeah. I So there's an... I, I meant to watch it last night and I couldn't track it down. Uh, my friend Brian... Uh, Brian Wick uh, mm-hmm. was messaging me on... Because he had seen it and had similar issues that we had. He's like, track down the alternative ending. He said it's not nearly as good as the original movie ending. He's like, but it's better than the stupid yeah, shit so they went with. Yeah, so what was the alternative? So I haven't gotten... I haven't oh, found it. Oh, that's... Okay. Um, but so, like, that's something I do want to look at. But no, I thought the ending was just laughably stupid. It was so dumb. Like, it was I mean, so fucking dumb. Yeah. Like, now we're going to kill the three-year... I just was like, this is so fucking stupid. I didn't... I just really didn't understand what, what the point was. I didn't understand what the filmmakers were... They, I mean, they clearly didn't care about the original theme of the book. They didn't care about what Stephen King was actually talking about. No, and I and say it, this over and over again. Stephen King's horror is is in lies in character development. Yep. In psychology, it, the the monsters and all of that are a metaphor for what the people are dealing with. Yeah, you know? and I think sometimes that's why it's so hard to adapt him mm-hmm. um, because f- film doesn't always give you the time to sort of do the things he does character wise. But this, uh, I mean, this just doesn't bother at all. No, it doesn't, doesn't bother, bother at all. And it's like, yeah, the first one does have problems. You know, I've, I've, sure. I've, I've you know, every time I say like, well, like, why remake it? You know, it's like, this was bad or whatever. And then people come at you like, well, the first one wasn't great. And I'm like, I'm not saying it's great. Right. So then why remake why it? Why remake if it? If the first one wasn't great. I mean, it's yeah. like. Have you, have you cracked it? Uh, yeah. Because I mean, clearly like, they didn't. Right. And the, and yet the first one is closer to. Yeah. To what King was getting and at. And builds, takes time to build story, takes time to build character mm-hmm. and relationships. You like the family. You like the family. You, you I like mean, the Pascal mom. is fucking just, awesome. And I, and I didn't like the mom. Also, no. I didn't like the mom in this one. No, and I think part of that too is because of what they did with Zelda, you do not feel sympathy for Rachel in the way that you do in the first one. Right. When you see, like, good lord, this woman is like she has will never recover from what she right. thinks she what, what she, she thinks, thinks she did, and um, and like the way she saw and how terrified she was. Right, and how this, nobody talked to her. About yeah, it. this just seems like fuck, man. This is a shitty thing. Parent, yeah, um, I, yeah. I huge problems. And again, I I think almost it's rare that a remake seems worth it. I mean, this keeps keeps coming up, and people. I love it. Mm-hmm. I don't even consider it a remake. Oh no! The original it was for those listen, children. The original it was made for television. Right. It was a mini series. Right. Um, that was like I can't remember six or eight episodes or uh-huh. something. Much like the the original way they did the stand. Right. I love Tim Curry with every fiber of my being. He is amazing. He is Tim Curry. It, a TV movie in the eighties is not the same thing as a 
a movie in the uh, in the a motion picture in the theater. Right. So like this was we're gonna take a thing that we couldn't make into a, a quote real movie back in the day because it's too long. Because it's too long and it's too hard. And now we can, yeah. so we're going to do it. Right. And we're going to make it two fucking movies. Right. Because it has to be. It has to be. So I don't consider this a remake of the Tim Curry it. No. Um, it's just like a fucking two movie version of the book. Of this story. Um, yeah. Because again, I mean, this is like, man, Suspiria, Pet Cemetery, all of these things that I just don't get. I don't, I don't understand. I was at a, a function last weekend um, a very posh function where I was meeting posh people um, and uh, someone introduced me to this British person and um, they were like so she has a horror podcast and, and he and he immediately went have you seen the new Suspiria and I was like and, but he was kind of like looking at me like suspiciously and I looked at him suspiciously and I said yes I have and we both kind of stared at each other for a little bit and finally I went did you like it? And he said, I fucking hated it. Yes. And then we immediately bonded. Friends forever over, now. Over yeah. hating Suspiria for all the reasons that, that yeah. we also And hated. I get I get that it's it's funny and I know this and I'm sure we've brought this up before, I brought it up before. It's funny because, you know, now that you like you and I are are, you know, middle aged or whatever, we are clearly like the generation that, good God, they are trying to cash in on our nostalgia. Oh, I know. And I, I get it. I like, get it. And we're the nostalgia generation now. It's like what they did to our parents with fucking Vietnam movies. Right, exactly. Um, you know, like, I'm sure, why would they want to see that? They lived through it. Right, <laughs> um, I know. And it's <laughs> like, so now that's why we have, like, all these, like, satanic panic stuff coming, coming out. All this stuff from when, you know, mm-hmm. when we were kids. Um, and it's like... And hey, man, I, I go see a lot of it. Sure. But it rarely, rarely works out. Yeah. Um, and so I don't... But I also think that it's because... I, I mean, and I'm going to say it. I, I got... Uh, I think that storytelling on film right now... And I'm not saying all filmmakers. I mean, of course, there are amazing filmmakers out there. But especially in horror I feel like sometimes they just forget they, they, they just want to throw so much information yeah. at you for the sake of throwing a scare at you and that storytelling gets lost, lost. I, and there was there was a time there was a time even in the horror genre I would say that especially, especially in, in the, the horror, horror genre, genre where deliberate slow elegant storytelling was part of of what was horrifying about yes. the movie. Not just jump scares. Right. Not just super CGI gore. Right. Not just like greatest hits of things. But the existential horror of being alive in the world right. was part of a scary movie. Yeah. And I think, you know, we go back to last week. I think this is something Ty West still does. Mm-hmm really well. Yeah. Like, God forbid you would like these people before I start killing them off. Right? Right. Right. I mean, like, that to me is the most basic fucking thing. Right. Like, you should at least give a shit about about these people people before we start killing them off. This is why we love, this is why uh, uh, Haunting of Hill House is incredible. Yeah. Because they have the time for us to meet every single, single one of those family members and fall in love with them. And, and I think, you know, you said, like, maybe part of the problem is because television has become so good, mm-hmm. 
in so many and I'm not saying there wasn't good TV back in the day but television is is Dude, this is not what TV was. This is not what TV. Um, I, I would say that it's like flipped, kind yes. of. and and it's, I, t- it's totally flipped. Yeah, and so you have horror stuff like Hill House um, that can take all the time it needs right. ten episodes, or Mind Hunter, which is its own weird. Fucking oh my god, thing. I just started watching. Yeah, so, it's so great. But you, you, and and even outside of the genre, like you have shows that now are willing to take time, and because mm-hmm. of like streaming and all that shit, TV and cable, TV's just different. It's, it's just different. fucking different. It's different. Um, all the best stuff is happening streaming. Yeah, yeah, or like on some weird cable right. channel. Um, I shouldn't say weird on some cable on channel. Some cable channel. <laughs> uh, and so it's to see that, to get that on TV, and then to go to a movie where, you know, time is constrained, so you have to figure out how to use it effectively. But hey, Ty West does it. Exactly. And what's his name? Um, Mike Flanagan does it. Mike Flanagan does it. And I, mean, I and I think James Wan, James Wan does, does it does, when, when, he's, when actually he's actually involved. Doing it. I mean, that... It, it is still possible. It's still possible. Um, it was possible in this movie. Yeah. Uh, especially when you have a, a goddamn legend... Like John Lithgow. Like John fucking Lithgow. The, the minute he comes on screen, you like him. I mean, he is. Yeah. I, he's one of those few people that, again, I think part of it is the history you have with him. But like, you, he's so good. He's so good. He's such a good actor. So like, why would you waste him? You know. Right. Um, I don't know, man. And 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 again, you 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 wanted a surprise and you got it and you sacrificed the entire final third of your movie for a surprise. Right. For a cheap trick. For a cheap trick. There was one part, especially in the movie, where I was, where for me it was like, that is not even logically possible what you just did. And it's the point after, after Judd finds out that Lewis has buried Ellie in the sour ground. Uh And he, because he wakes up from having been drunk the night before, right? And he goes over to Lewis's house and he says, what, what did you do, Lewis? And Lewis yeah. is like, I'm fine, I'm fine. Because Lewis her. drugged him. Yeah, Lewis drugs him. And, right, that's right. They have been drinking, though, but yeah, yeah. Lewis drugs him. And so he falls asleep. And so Lewis goes to the cemetery. Buries Ellie. Up. Ellie buries yeah. her, whatever. And then he he's going back to his own house. He's freaked out because he knows what's happened. Right. And he turns and he looks back, and Ellie is in the window. Uh-huh. And she's looking down at Judd. And then he gets to his house, and Ellie is suddenly at his house. Yeah, I. So does like, do, does she have super speed? Maybe she has super speed because now. Because that's not what su- happens in the original. No. And then so Ellie is suddenly in Judd's house, and then immediately back in the Creed house. Creed, yes. And it's like, just time wise, to me it was off. And she has super strength, which again. If you go to the original, which was was so kind of also sad and horrifying, when Gage gets Judd, because he's sneaky. Right. Right? He's playing basically playing hide and seek. Yeah. And he scalpels his right. foot, which is horrifying. Um, at one point, his father fucking throws him across the room. Right. Because he's... Because he's little. He's... Maybe two... Is he two feet tall? Maybe. I don't know how tall you are when you're four, but he's this tiny little, he's kid, tiny little kid, and he's coming at him, and he just goes boom. Boom, and he falls away, and because he's a dead thing that shouldn't be alive anyway, he's able to get back up yeah. and come back. Come back. And and that is even like, oh, fuck. It's just like... You know, and the part part of the, part of the, the thing in the original also is that 
there is that scene where Lewis has to try and kill Gage, uh-huh. right? And again, he's a weak little baby, right? And it is, it's painful. It's painful. It's painful for him yeah. to have to do it, and he's like a little boy who can't. I mean, you're looking at him, and he's this precious little boy, and for Lewis, who didn't want to lose his son in the first place, now has to do it again. Yeah. To this child that is defenseless, it's not his fault. He came back. Yeah. Um, it's so different. It's so different because in the second one, you've got a dad doing an action scene with, with his dead daughter who was, has super strength. Who seems to have super strength. And it's just not... And, and, and Bond villain monologuing. Right, ability. right. Yeah, and it's it, just, it's not the same. No. You don't, you don't feel the same. And I don't understand. I don't, are we super long? I don't know how long well, we're Well, we we should kind of start wrapping okay, up. Okay, cool. So I just don't understand how you objectively, as a filmmaker, could think... That was, I don't know, scary. I just don't get it. I don't get it. Sometimes dead is better, Sometimes y'all. Sometimes <laughs> dead is better. I'm just gonna say it. Uh, yeah, so go see it if you want. I but wait, I, would I would not. I would not pay the five ninety nine no, rental fee. I would wait time. till it's free. I would wait till it's free, and I would wait till you just needed noise in the background. Uh huh. Yeah. Because it's. I mean, honestly, it's not even. I mean, I don't know. I didn't like it. Didn't like it. No, it's not worth. No, it's not, it's not worth, worth it. watching. It's not worth watching, and it's not worth getting going through it to get to the cover of the Ramones. Oh, cemetery. oh my god! I'm like, just fuck this, man. Yeah. Um, I will try to track down the the, the alternate, alternate ending. ending. Yeah. I will not pay for it. No. But I will try to track it down. So, what do you want to talk about next week? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I had an idea of uh, instead of highlighting. Movies, just like partic- maybe particularly. Oh yeah, you terrifying. said this like scary, like, like the five top scary moments in in in, in okay. Yeah. I love that. So even if the movie as a whole isn't, or might be something you don't think of as being scary, is right. there one thing in it that might and, be fun? That might be fun. And if you have those out there, hey, yes. send them to us. Put them on our Facebook scary page. moments. Scary moments. What is the scare? Even if the movie's not that great, what is one of the best scary moments that you've ever experienced? Uh, And we'll talk about that next week. Uh, Thanks for being with us, and we'll talk with you next time. Bye.